0: Welcome to Industry Leader's Journey, where we explore the lives and careers of conscious leaders who are making a positive impact on this world while they transform the supply chain and procurement business. My name is Su Shem. In this episode, I had a pleasure speaking with Aru Matthew, the Vice President of Global Supply Chain and Procurement at Louverjol. Growing up in rural India, And then living in over five countries, Arul has a unique blend of global experiences and perspectives. You will hear about Arul's supply chain strategy and leadership philosophies that are based on kindness and mindfulness. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Good morning, Arul. So nice to see you again, and thank you so much for joining me in this industry leaders journey podcast.
1: Thank you very much, Sue. It's great to be with you and thank you for the opportunity.
0: Yes. And I know you have an amazing journey in your life. And then I cannot wait to talk about all the details on how you got here till now. But first I want to start with congratulations for I mean already one year of uh, the job. It's not that new anymore. But when we met, I think about six, seven, eight months ago, it was relatively new. And that's how we connected. Um so you are the head of supply chain and procurement at Lubergol. And you got this uh, amazing, very important position post-pandemic in the like the end of the pandemic and uh, all the disruption in supply chain. I cannot wait to hear a little bit about your first 12 month experience as a uh, head of uh, supply chain and procurement. And then also, I want to learn more about uh, you know, where you are from, actually, like originally and how you got here. So there's a lot of things to unpack here. Mm-hmm. But let's start with first Lubrojol. So maybe for those people who are not that familiar with since it's not a consumer product company, so it would be good to start with the Lubrojol. What is Lubrojol? Explain to me in a simple way how you guys create the value in this world.
1: Yes, absolutely, Sue. Lubrizol. First of all, Lubrizol is a fully owned subsidiary of Berkshire Hathaway. We have been a Cleveland, Ohio, in the U.S. based company, and we have been here for almost 100 years now. And we make large, diverse set of products. And how we create value, Sue, is our products help uh, make our customers' products better, and in turn, deliver amazing products to consumers. Right. So Mm -hmm. we. Supply key ingredients that go into engine oils for transportation, all the way to medical devices and pharmaceuticals. So we have a very diverse set of products that make our customers' products better, and uh, in turn make consumer lives better all around the world.
0: Right. I mean the chemicals are everywhere, but I think you even actually uh, have your chemical ingredients in the products that I will be using in some beauty products. Right. That's what you once you explained to me. I was surprising.
1: Yes, that is right. And that is the beauty, I think, of our portfolio, which is we have many ingredients that go into uh, skin care, uh, healthcare apparel. And like I said, powering the transportation industry worldwide in engine oil additives, fuel additives. So yes, I'm very proud of the portfolio and uh, the innovations that we bring online every year to help move the world better, and, you know, just create a lot of value around the world.
0: Speaking of value, if Warren Buffett and his team is interested in investing on this, I'm sure there is really a lot of value there.
1: <laughs> yes, we are very fortunate uh, to be recognized in that way and to be a part of the big family under Mr. Buffett's leadership at Berkshire Hathaway.
0: Right. So that vast portfolio of products. And can you imagine that supply chain and procurement that you have to deal with? So how has your experience of running that supply chain function end-to-end and and including of procurement daily for the last 10 to 12 months?
1: Yeah, Sue, as you noted in your opening remarks, it has been a challenging couple of years, if not longer. And I have been very fortunate to lead a team of amazing people around the world uh, who are Coming in every day with a spirit of how to make things better for our customers. So, yes, it has been a challenging period, but I would say through persistence, through a lot of disciplined hard work, we have weathered much of the storm. But obviously, it has been very challenging, much like it was for most players in the industry. And I would say we also developed a lot of muscles as we went through that. As an example, our supply chain is a lot more de-risked now than it was a year or two ago. And that is because we learned learned our lessons and we have taken many steps to identify risks, prioritize them. Obviously we cannot address all the risks, but we have been able to identify, prioritize, and then mitigate risks in our end-to-end supply chain. So I would say adversity also brings some benefits, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe the hard way, but certainly has been a lot of lessons learned and improvements made that I think sets us in a much better shape as I look forward into the next five, 10 years.
0: So, yeah, that will give you opportunity to kind of reboot, reset the risk assessment, risk framework, uh, those areas. What other strategy or key priorities are, are you having in mind for going forward 2023, considering a possible recession and the inflation continues and it's really tough time ahead in terms of economics. So what's your thought on your strategy?
1: You know, most of my thoughts here are around, uh, I would say, three core pillars and it definitely starts with people, Um, how to recruit, develop and retain the best talent in the domains of supply chain and procurement. And when I think about people, the biggest quality I look for is the ability to collaborate, the ability Mm -hmm. to cut across barriers in the organization and develop networks that create value, right? because many times when we cannot communicate, when we cannot cut through the barriers, we create inefficiencies, we create waste. So Mm -hmm. my biggest passion is around finding people who really care, who really want to make a difference, who are willing to learn and experiment and take some calculated risks. The second is about process, right? We have implemented some modern advanced digital tools and that'll continue to be a big part of our journey forward Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also important to, from a process standpoint, make sure our organization is set up the right way to embrace those processes and create value. But also there is really good adoption of these modern processes enabled by advanced tools. And the third pillar is really about technology, right? Like I said, we have to continue to embrace modern technology in how we run supply chain and procurement. So. People, process, technology to me is the right combination to embrace as we, in, a, in our pursuit of uh, supply chain and procurement excellence, which simply means to me a fine balancing act of customer experience, cost to serve and risk. Because everything we do involves risk, right? It could be in the area of transportation, safely transport transporting our products, warehouse handling. So it's it's all about balancing all three elements. How to deliver an outstanding customer experience, How to delight our customers every day, but balancing that with cost to serve uh, all the risk elements
0: involved. Do you see the customers as internal customers uh, or do you see customers will like actually the loopers or customers when you say customers here?
1: That's a great question. So you know for a function like supply chain and procurement, the word customer assumes a much broader meaning as, as I think you are implying. Obviously, the end customer is the one that really, really matters because all our pursuit of excellence is towards delivering an outstanding experience to those end customers. But obviously, we look at our sales team, our customer service team, there are internal teams and internal stakeholders who are truly an extension of our external customers. So yes, we look at the word customer with a much broader meaning.
0: Right, right. That's really important because you've mentioned that word strategic. I think the procurement and supply chain, supply chain has been, but especially procurement now is becoming more and more strategic because of uh, the challenges we had with uh, sourcing and the lack of uh, materials and in the world and just all, and then also responsible sourcing, ethical sourcing, all these are uh, really important topics. And that goes together with people like what kind of a talent you want to recruit. And uh, this in young, newer people uh, really focus on that area. And they come with a different mindset than just to cutting the cost or just to taking the order. So you can become true partner, right, with the internal stakeholders.
1: Exactly. So I, I think more and more Lubrizol and, you know, other companies are recognizing the true value of supply chain and procurement as you, as you just indicated. And I think that's only going to increase because we have learned lessons around, you know, the balance of globalization and localization a lot about, you know, de-risking, right? But elevating the role of supply chain as a core enabler of our business strategy, right? And customer value, of course. You know, companies are embracing and, and at Lubrizol, we are doing the same. The importance of processes like sales and operations planning as a critical enabler of business success. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You know, they say the crisis creates a hero. And then uh, this last two years of a uh, supply chain disruption actually is an opportunity for procurement and supply chain folks to be real, <laughs> real hero. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Very true. Very true.
0: And your strategy and focus on people, process, technology actually represents who you are. And I know you, your background and uh, you definitely have that technology focus. And uh, I think that special your uh, differentiator, your, your your strength, and that you bring to your company. So we'll talk about that a little bit uh, later about your journey, how, how you build up your career and success. But uh, definitely, I want to double click on this yeah. digital and technology and how you make this uh, really happen. Before we move on, I want to touch upon this resilience and sustainability topic one more time. So, Obviously, you've been very resilient and helping these companies keep running. But is that buzzwords? What does that mean to you, actually, from your your own words? Explain what does resilience and sustainability mean to you in in terms of day-to-day, you know?
1: Sure. Very good question, Sue. And I'm sure this question is on a lot of people's minds, right? I mean, we use a lot of buzzwords. And what does that really mean, right? And I will be very transparent here. Resilience, to me... It's very simple, right? It's really about knowing your supply chain and the vulnerabilities in your supply chain and de-risking to the extent possible. Mm -hmm. And I say to the extent possible because cost to serve and of course risk, like I said earlier, that's also important. And so you cannot just de-risk. As an example, if you had infinite inventory, you will never miss an order, right? But that's not what businesses can do. So it's really resilience is about understanding your supply chain studying your supply chain right and then de-risking to the extent possible and then the word transparency right transparency to me is about communication it's very very crucial especially during challenging times vendor communication or supplier communication and customer communication those are very very critical right because our customers our vendors they need to hear our voice and Also, communication with speed is very critical because a lot happens very quickly in a very challenging and uh, dynamic environment. So relevant information and timely communication is very important for everybody in the value chain to understand, react, adapt as quickly as possible to help each other out. And you asked also about sustainability, right? Sustainability to me means two things. One, it's really about caring for our planet and doing the right thing in the long term, together with our ecosystem partners, Mm -hmm. and two, it's about avoiding waste, Mm -hmm. right? Many times we talk big things in the area of sustainability, but if we can make our processes more efficient, cut through barriers and avoid waste and continuously improve in that area, do something, do everything we do in enterprise operations, end-to-end operations, better than we did yesterday. To me, that is what sustainability means.
0: I really love your definition. So how do you communicate in general with the suppliers? First of all, how many suppliers do you, do you have to manage in gen, like in your book?
1: <laughs> As you would imagine for a large company like Lubrizol, we have thousands of products and uh, hundreds of uh, suppliers and hundreds of customers. And that is why, you know, you touched upon digitalization, right? So it is important that we embrace more and more modern tools that are available, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, to diagnose your supply chain and Mm -hmm. spot issues, Mm -hmm. right? I'll use a simple example. Having good visibility into inventory can be a very powerful tool, especially when you are facing shortages or supply Mm -hmm. issues, right? But how do we make sure at the point of action our people have access and the right visibility on the right balance of demand at that point, at that inventory location, and the days of cover we have, Mm -hmm. right? So, to me, the ability to communicate has to come before our desire and the focus on communication, the ability for our people to spot issues that need to be communicated. And that is where the digital tools can really help us.
0: Mm, okay. Got it. Got it. Okay. So you definitely need the transparency and digital tool will help because it, it can't deal with all the paper and the phone to find out. And so it's a more timely manner to understand what's happening through digital data. And then you communicate, maybe, maybe the tools and the system can help you to communicate online quickly.
1: Correct. And the, the related thing there, so you kind of touched upon it, which is the Clarity of accountabilities. And again, it goes back to people, right? The clarity of accountabilities and also the clarity of process handoffs. Because in our world, when you think about end-to-end supply chain, there's a lot of handoffs that have to occur. And one of my biggest passions is making sure we clearly know in each role what our handoff is and Mm -hmm. making sure we confirm the handoff. Don't assume a handoff has taken place. You need a confirmation back. Then this is Mm -hmm. really about communication being two way. Communication is not one way. You need the confirmation that the receiving party has got the ball, right? so So the clarity of accountability and clarity of handoffs across sub functions.
0: I love that because, you know, often when we think about the communicate, oh, she communicates really well. We think about someone who speaks well, just sending the message. But it's actually how well you receive the message, the deep listening, understanding. And then the only way to know that you really got it is by conforming. You mentioned that you're looking for the people when you recruit people who can collaborate and communicate well. Now it all makes sense. Actually, it's all interwoven between exactly. the right type of people yep. and right type of process and you giving them tools like technology to enable this, right? Exactly.
1: Ex- exactly. It's all about people at the end of the day. We can bring the best technology in the world or you know, design the right best processes. But at the end of the day, you need a bunch of people who believe in your mission, where you're headed as a company, who care. For each other, that is another big piece. You know, you want to be in a group of people that, of course, believe in a mission and vision, but also people who love working together to solve yeah. the problems, right? Who who have that friendship. And and that is what will bring us back to work every day. And that is right. what I see at Lobrizol. It's a family. Right? Yeah. We, we love each other and we love working with each other.
0: I think that goes to your word about sustainability. So now I tie that back to sustainability. You define that as a caring for the planet, which means people and planet, right? So like one giant big family of this humankind, and we care. So we start from the Luberzo family, but then of course, ultimately we're caring for the planet. So it's a beautiful philosophy you have. And I think you model who you are as, uh, as a leader for this company. So maybe this is a good time to pivot and talk about your personal journey. I want to share your amazing journey from far, far, far east all the way to here and uh, as a little boy growing up. So tell me a little bit about where you grew up and then how did you get here?
1: Oh, thank you, Sue. This is not something, you know, I'm very, very comfortable or articulate in talking about. I, I don't think it's anything, you know, uh, unusual or spectacular or uh, or special. I grew up in, uh, in South India in the state of Kerala. I, I don't know uh, whether you have heard about Kerala. Kerala uh, is known as God's own country for mm-hmm. its uh, scenic beauty and, and and all that. It's in the deep south of India. I grew up in a small village. To give you an idea, the first time we had electricity in our house was when I was in uh, 10th grade.
0: Uh, wow. So it,
1: it, it's, a, it's a very remote location.
0: And Wait, uh, so how did you study? With a little light, the candle? It was,
1: keros- kerosene lamps were right. very common at that uh-huh. time. So I, I still remember, We would have one kerosene lamp and my brother, who was two years younger to me and my sister, even uh, below him, like uh, four years younger to me. So the three of us would sit around one kerosene lamp. We literally sit on the floor, you know, with one kerosene lamp. We would uh, we would study. Mm -hmm. Uh, And frankly speaking, so at that time, you know, that was the way of life and Mm -hmm. we we knew nothing better. You Mm -hmm. know, so Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think uh, frankly, I didn't look at it as hardship. Mm -hmm. Uh, at all. Now, Mm -hmm. I'm sure when you look back, you know, especially from here in the US and, you know, look back, it can look as such. But frankly, it it was a blissful life. And maybe except for the fact that uh, life did throw a curveball at us, uh, at our little family. You know, Um, my dad passed away when I was six years old. And, uh, you know, my mom became a young widow, having to take care of three children, six years, four years and two years. Or wow. old and and yeah, so obviously that brought some difficulties, especially for my mom. But mm.
0: well, I remember your mom was still amazing in that era, in that time and uh, area. She was a educator or something. She worked at the school. Remind me. I think she was a very impressive, uh, strong woman. Yes.
1: <laughs> yes, for sure. She is definitely my role model, and she was a high school teacher. She taught mm. uh, physics and math. And um, uh, that was definitely my my path to uh, engineering and, you know, more the STEM areas. But, yeah, certainly a very persistent and very determined woman that really set the path for me to follow.
0: Yeah, I think you graduated as a not just a top of a school, but top of the state or something. You're like one of the genius kids, right? (laughs) Thanks to your mom, I guess. It's all thanks to your mom.
1: I would uh, I would disagree with the you know the genius world, right I uh-huh. I think I'm with a wise man let me let me put it put it this way who said genius is about 99 percent perspiration and one percent inspiration right mm-hmm. and this is so true I think mm-hmm. most human beings are born with the similar level of intellect mm-hmm. or or mental capacity and mm-hmm. it is really about who is there to guide you mm-hmm. and 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 then how you utilize what is available at your disposal right so. I would say in my case, my mom, I give her a large percentage of the credit for Mm -hmm. keeping us very focused and, uh, you know, giving us all the resources we needed. She had to work really hard, but we were able to be very focused on studies and what we needed to do. But I will also add that, you know, I grew up in a very small Catholic community, uh, Mm -hmm. so that was a big part of our life, which Mm. was, you know, the, the spiritual health. Mm-hmm. Even today, that is still my light, right? That mm-hmm. is still what is guiding me, which is my my faith and my family and everything I imbibed from that small community as a young kid.
0: So mm-hmm.
1: the family piece and the community and faith and all of that, those were very important in my mm-hmm. life.
0: Ah, that's why your name is uh, Matthew at the end. It's a typical uh, Indian name. So like, oh, Arul Matthew. <laughs>
1: Oh, that is that is something uh, very interesting, Sue. So I'm not sure if you're aware. Kerala has majority of Christians in India because oh. uh, one of the disciples of Jesus, St. Thomas, came to Kerala. Uh-huh. And that is how Christianity got established in India. So if you see a name like mine, typically it means this person is from Kerala, the state of uh-huh. Kerala.
0: Well, you see, industry leader's journey is a history lesson too, you know. <laughs> okay.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, I'm very proud of uh, where I come from. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously, the humble ways in which, you know, we can still uh, grow. It doesn't have to be everything, um, you know, looking perfect. I do think we can create big things from small things.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then from there on, I mean, even just looking at your career, yeah, your engineering degree, probably that got you started at technology sector. I think you were initially in a more IT or information system like SAP, right? And that's where is that where you got your supply chain information? How did you get into supply chain, actually, beginning?
1: Right. I think the beginning for me was doing industrial engineering at Purdue University Mm -hmm. in uh, Indiana. Of course, at the Indian Institute of Technology in uh, India, I learned mechanical engineering Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: for graduate studies at Purdue, I followed uh, industrial engineering Mm -hmm. and there was a lot of operations research and supply chain. So basically you could look at it as operations, operations Mm -hmm. management, supply planning, and and those type of topics in the curriculum. That was my introduction to supply chain. And so my first job out of graduate school was in supply chain management uh, in a consulting role. Mm -hmm. Obviously, when you work in supply chain, Um, and in consulting roles, you you get introduced to systems a lot, right? So, right from my early uh, experiences in supply chain consulting, I had a lot of exposure to all kinds of systems, especially Mm -hmm. ERP systems and also other peripheral systems that support supply chain management, Mm -hmm. right? So, I was very fortunate that the first Almost five years of my career in consulting gave mm-hmm. me a lot of exposure to different industries and also different manufacturing environments and systems environments that support end to end supply chain.
0: Wow. That's amazing. So you got, you actually you have a really great solid um, foundation to become and uh, to practice your own best practice that you are teaching uh, as a consultant. OK, that makes sense.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I would say, yes, I have been in the trenches for sure. And uh, I think that is very valuable for me in my job now because I can really imagine what my people are going through because I have been there in the right. trenches with them. Right. And so that that gives me the empathy that gives me also some insights into how to make things better Uh or or if i'm talking to one of my colleagues who may be in customer service or supply chain planning or you know whatever that may be i'm able to relate to their world a little bit better again because of the experiences from ground up
0: right that makes sense though totally Okay, so I'm going to shift again to another angle dimension. So dive a little bit more on to industry, chemical, because uh, it's a very interesting industry for me because uh, it's everywhere, but the publics don't really know much about it, right? So what do you hope to change about the public's opinion on chemicals industry?
1: I think uh, you are right. There may be many misperceptions out there about the chemicals industry. In terms of public opinion, I think what I'm most passionate about is, one, everyone understanding how much value the chemicals industry creates, right? So we talked about some of the applications where Lubrizol products uh, make a difference, you know, in medical devices, in pharmaceuticals, in beauty products, in many products that serve at our houses, like, you know, home care, and and a whole bunch of other applications that are so vital Mm -hmm. to our daily lives and to making the world better. Right. Mm-hmm. So, for example, some of the products we supply bring clean water access to millions of people around the world in countries like India. Right. Mm-hmm. So chemistry is not necessarily bad. Right. And uh, there are organizations like ACC that are doing a lot of very valuable education and, and campaigns to make sure the misconceptions and and misunderstandings are rectified. So the other part of it is, I I would like everyone out there to understand that the chemical industry is also innovating constantly in pursuit of better solutions Mm -hmm. to make the world a better place, right? Mm -hmm. So it's an industry that is very innovative. So if you look at the historical, the the journey that the chemical industry has taken, we're bringing new molecules onto the marketplace every month, every year, Mm -hmm. Again, to improve our lives and to give us a better quality of life, to make the world a better place, to bring a cleaner planet. I mean, if you look at Lubrizol's products uh, that go into engine oil additives or fuel additives, a lot of that is about better performing engines and lower emissions from fuels. So it is actually about making the planet more sustainable. And as you know, those standards are going up, becoming more and more rigorous every year. Mm -hmm. And we are innovating constantly to meet the new standards on emissions and and therefore, again, making the planet better. So I think uh, there is a lot of misperception out there. But again, we take it as a challenge to innovate and find even better solutions.
0: Right. And, you know, I'm so happy to have these uh, like-minded industry leaders from chemical industries. And uh, thank you for actually leading the think tank as our chair. And what do you expect from our industry leaders think tank uh, cohort? And then uh, maybe in 2023, as we shape this up, uh, this community?
1: Thank you, Sue, for that very important question. And I'm very honored and humbled to be the chair for our uh, chemicals industry think tank. And uh, I also thank you for Hosting and enabling that platform for us to collaborate, to come together and learn from each other, right? And and my biggest wish for that platform is to a lot of sharing, right? And uh, the more we can understand each other, the more transparent we can be. I believe we can also avoid waste with increased trust in our network, because many Mm -hmm. of us are customers to each other or Mm -hmm. suppliers to each other. There's Mm -hmm. so much of interconnectivity within the industry. So right. my, my wish is that we all help each other out to innovate, to find better solutions together with a lot more transparency and trust.
0: Right. Again, go back to collaboration, right? You talked about, so that's right. what, what, what I like about it. I think we share a lot of values and philosophy. Uh, that's what I noticed when I get to know you. I mean, beyond the, even the industry chemical think tank, I have other industry think tank like food and beverage, and um, they can all collaborate with you, chemical, and then think about the circular economy and the circular value chain. So I'm very excited about 2023, how we can actually do something more, right? Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. I think there is a lot of opportunity out there in the world if sizable companies and, and, and different players can come together and share and work towards making the world a better place.
0: Right. So how do you, I mean, we talked a lot about your values and I can get a lot in between, but I want you to maybe say, what's your life philosophy in general?
1: Wow, that's a pretty uh, loaded question. Um, <laughs> you know, so, and I'll, I'll again be very simple in my response, right? One key philosophy that drives me is about how short life is, right? Mm-hmm. And it was, I believe it was Mahatma Gandhi who said, Uh, live as if you were to die today, but Mm -hmm. learn as if you were to live forever.
0: Mm.
1: So I think this embodies, I think, a core of what my approach is towards life, right? Because it is very short, enjoy every moment. And also when you get time with a person, a human being or any opportunity, take it as your last opportunity to make a difference, right? Mm -hmm. And therefore give it all you have, pay full attention and be in the moment and also treasure everything that life gives you right because again it is such a short ride in the grand scheme of things and you may not get it tomorrow to make a difference so take every moment with a lot of gratitude give it a lot of value and be fully there with your full attention right but that also extends to how you treat people Mm -hmm. respect humility and kindness empathy so those are some of the words that come to my mind when i think about my life's philosophy Mm -hmm. which is the golden rule of treat others how you want to be treated
0: right right i love that mindfulness and gratitude it's the secret or maybe the formula of happiness you know
1: (laughs) absolutely and absolutely and being grateful right because there'll always be something's wrong and something's not imperfect but always try to look at all the blessings you have there is so much to be thankful for
0: yeah 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 exactly Is there anything else you want to share before the last question?
1: I just want to say, Sue, that, you know, the forum that you create, right, uh, the Chemicals Think Tank and other think tanks, those are very valuable. And those have a lot of potential to make a big difference to the world because you are bringing key players from different companies who have a lot of experience, who have a lot of ideas to change the world. And when Mm -hmm. we bring those minds together, I see huge potential there. So I just want to say thank you for all you are doing at SAP to bring these minds together.
0: Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for seeing that our vision and actually our purpose and intention. And uh, really, I need uh, leaders like you to come together and act on it. So uh, my final question, always the famous uh, I am optimistic, dot, dot, dot. So can you finish the sentence? I'm optimistic, dot, dot, dot.
1: Wow. That's another um, Pretty interesting question, or or, or um, you know, a topic, right? I am always accused as the most optimistic. So <laughs> I, it's a very natural. I can tell question. your
0: face says it all always.
1: <laughs> yes, it's a it's a very natural question for me. I'm optimistic about the potential of human capital. That's what excites me the most when I see how a caring adult can make a child successful when I see how a caring mentor can make a professional successful or a caring manager can help an employee take that next leap. I'm most excited, most optimistic about human capital and mm-hmm. the goodness of human mm-hmm. human beings to bring the best to this world. I know we are going through a lot of challenges and there are issues everywhere. But going into 2023, I feel very optimistic about the human potential around us but also about Lubrizol. We have a passionate group of people not only in supply chain and procurement but across Lubrizol who are coming in every day to make a difference to this world through our customers, through our industry partners. So that gives me a lot of hope going into 2023.
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean it's. 100 years old company, says it all, and uh, with a big value creation. Thank you so much for creating amazing value to the world. And first of all, being such a kind, really compassionate person. That's how I feel uh, when I talk to you. So that's awesome.
1: Thank you, Sue. Uh, thank you so much. I have also received a lot of compassion. I have been very fortunate to have many mentors, managers, and others who have cared for me all the way uh, throughout my life. And I do believe when you receive so much, it's very natural to have a desire to also give back. Mm-hmm. And and that is definitely my life's passion, um, is, is to be a good mentor, to be a good human being, to support people in every way possible.
0: All right. Thank you. All right. Talk to you soon. And thank you for joining today.
1: Thank you, Sue. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Industry Leader's Journey. This series is produced by the industry value chain team at SAP, where we are committed to making the world run better and improving people's lives. For more information and to access
0: all of our podcasts, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Ariba.com.